I'm taking the Leos to cover the six and a half. And I'll say this, between them, Cleveland, and Oakland, two of these teams are going to win outright this week. It's going to happen. You know, I don't like to throw around the term hero loosely. Uh, I know that that is reserved for people that pander to different groups of people about certain subjects and other individuals that like to go look up insensitive things that people said or did maybe 30 years ago and really hold their feet to the fire for it. I know that those are the real heroes in 2019, but I'll say at about 4 p.m. Eastern Sunday, I... I think I know what those people feel like when maybe the hottest of my hot takes was playing out to a T on the NFL football field. Uh, it was it was magical. So um, <laughs> this is Swipe Right Sports, your sports pod hookup, episode eight, and we're gonna do what we always do here. We're gonna start out with a college football DFS recap of my post on fakepigskin.com. And then we're going to head over to the pick segment. Great picks last week. Well, at least for for one of us it was. For someone else, they're, we may need to think about revoking their license. We'll, we'll talk about it. But uh, we got a lot to do, so let's get to it. Oh, yeah, and I'm your host, Bobby Edgar. The college football DFS recap from week six. Let's get the elephant in the room out of the way to start here. And that is the Utah State play from the night contest was an utter disaster. And I'd love to come on here and make excuses and talk about the weather and this or that. But the bottom line is when things like this happen, the best thing to do is just own it and uh, say I was wrong. When things don't work, they don't work, and that just didn't work. I watched a lot of that game. Uh, Jordan Love just did not play well. My description of him as an NFL-caliber quarterback uh, might be uh, pumping the brakes on that a little bit. It was just uh, a rough outing there. So um, that said, though, I think the way the logic I was basing on the reasoning, I would do the same thing again, just based on the prices and the approach of the entire slate. I'm still comfortable in why I did it. Uh, just sometimes things don't work the way you want them to, and that's all that was. Did not work. I was wrong. So that was the first thing. Let's just get that out of the way. And then um, with the day slate, Overall, pleased. Uh, Rambo was good. That is Charleston Rambo, the Oklahoma receiver. He just did not get the touchdowns. They all went to C.D. Lamb, um, which kind of just hurt Rambo overall. And that's kind of the risk, I think, when you're playing these the chalkier teams. If they don't get theirs big time in the first half, you know, maybe one, maybe two possessions in the third quarter they play, and then these games get so out of hand so quickly that, you know, Rambo's day is done pretty quickly. So they get 
they become victims of game flow a little bit. Uh, but overall, he still had a good day. Right away, had two catches for like 124 yards. Just missed breaking away for a touchdown. Um, but again, uh, the the you know the the meat and potatoes went to CD Lamb. Uh, Jalen Rager was kind of a disappointment. Uh, he had somewhat of a game flow victim to a degree. Um, that game got out of hand, I think, a lot quicker than anyone was anticipating. And by that time, uh, the damage had been done, and Alex Duggan, or sorry, Max Duggan, uh, had left the game. Overall, though, I think TCU turned out to do their job in general. Um, Duggan had two touchdowns in the first half, and Darius Anderson continues to be uh, a great source of points and is just has that great role that you want where you know he's just the guy, kind of that bell cow um, in a pretty good offense, and when they have a favorable matchup, definitely a guy to be targeting. So um, TCU will be intriguing to keep an eye on moving forward. The big takeaway I had, not just for the day, but also for the entire Saturday uh, in that week five of college football was with the big chalkier teams, you're starting to see uh, some big time running back timeshares take place with Ohio State and Alabama. So the first one was during the day with Alabama, you saw Brian Robinson and Najee Harris are essentially trading series. So what was thought to be maybe, oh, this guy's going to come in in the third quarter and you know take some touches away from him in some garbage time, that's not the case anymore. And I think the bigger point to all this is that what we all try to do in these contests is stack these chalkier teams who we know are going to get to score probably six, maybe seven to eight offensive touchdowns that we all are trying to harness all those points into our lineup. So we're going to play the quarterback, play the running back. So no matter what, anytime a touchdown is scored, I'm getting those points. It's going to be a little bit harder with Alabama and now Ohio State, who at night, if you watch that game, Master Teague the third, what a wonderful name, uh, he's involved. And I don't think that's going away. Ryan Day wants to play two running backs. They played Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins last year almost to a 50-50, maybe 50-45 split. And I think they've just been waiting for someone to kind of play his way and prove himself into a role where they can rely on him. And Teague has done that. He's looked really good and scored two touchdowns in the first half in that game against Nebraska last week. I don't think any of that is going away. Uh, he's looked good. He fits the part and you know looks the looks the role and all that stuff. So um, yeah, it's just going to be harder when you're playing teams like that and like Oklahoma, who they just don't have a clear cut way they play these backs. And you want all those touchdowns? It's going to be harder to capture all of that in a reliable way. So it's something just I think to take note of and something I, you know, I think I, I took a, a big meeting from the last weekend is to, it's harder to stack these teams. So be aware of it, be advised, 
act accordingly. And that's kind of what I wanted to hit on for the college football DFS recap. So let's get to the pick segment with the doctor who may have some explaining to do, but we've all had weeks like that. And he's earned the right to have them as much or more than anybody. So without further ado, let's do it. here i have uh the doctor as always by my side well not by my side but by my phone side skype side uh how is it going the doctor oh doctor's doing well i had a tough tough week last week but we're um back here again to uh battle once more do we need to go before like a review board about your license not not quite yet we just not quite Still, hey, we had a good college week. We need to struggle a little bit in the NFL, but no, we're not. We're not okay. on probation or anything like that. No board review. Not, not needed. Okay. All right. Well, let's 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 see how this week goes. Uh, so um, we'll start out with uh, week six in college football. Just a little uh, stage setting here. Uh, last week I was two and three, make myself eleven nine and one on the year. You were four and one. Nice, nice uh, week to get yourself to a winning. Uh, same exact record, 11-9-1 on the year as me. And uh, we are going to start in Ann Arbor. I mean, just so everyone knows, every week we pretty much pick out Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and USC as the college games we cover and any other marquee games that we feel uh, we'd like to have thoughts on. And so uh, USC is off this week, so we're just going to start with Michigan at home, minus 3.5 to the Iowa Hawkeyes. I think we may be in similar spots here, but I'll let you go. All right. Well, Don Brown is, is back. Uh, 52-0 <laughs> last week. Big, big one. Dr. Blitz. <laughs> yeah, is back. And so now you've got Don Brown is back. And now the other big part of the narrative is Josh Gaddis is down on the sideline. So you've got a Don Brown defense and you've got an offensive coordinator down on the sidelines to give his players emotional support. That was his. That was his reasoning. He needed to be down there for both good plays and bad plays. So you got both these coordinators that are uh, that are awesome, and they're getting you know getting a lot of runs. So that puts Michigan in a good spot. But no, in all, in all seriousness, um, <laughs> you know this is <laughs> this is a bit of a a bit of a revenge game for, for Michigan. I think in, it was in 16 they lost in the last second field goal that kind of ruined their. Um, national championship hopes, of course. And number number three ranked Wolverines lost yeah. to a five and four Iowa team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ruined their national championship. Um, yeah, but it is. It's a little bit of a revenge game. Actually, this one comes at a pretty good time for Michigan. I do think I was okay. They're kind of like the junior varsity Badgers. I think um, you know, pretty solid defense, but um, you know, they don't force a lot of turnovers. They don't get a lot of tackles for loss. I think they're last in the nation on that. So I, I think that gives Shea enough time and you know, the running game enough of a push on Michigan's side to, uh, to see, see the Wolves get this done, put a little more delusion back in the fan base for, for another few weeks until they see Notre Dame. Uh, so I'm going Michigan minus three and a half. All right. Well, I mean, I think it's clear that uh, Vegas was not fooled by the uh, we're back routine by beating Rutgers. Because, um, I mean, this line, I think, if you would have said preseason, you know, we probably said this line is going to be at least, I don't know, seven. 
maybe approach double digits. It opened, I think, around six or five and a half. It's down three and a half. So um, I think people are on to this uh, whole uh, beating up on bad teams routine. And I, you're, I think you're right when you characterize Iowa as being like a maybe a poor man's version of Wisconsin. Um, the strength is in their offensive line and running game. They use three different running backs. Um, and I'm curious to see how that's going to match up against uh you know Michigan's front four that's been pretty pretty weak this season. Uh, probably the best player on both teams is the defensive end for Iowa, AJ Epeniza, and that's going to be a key matchup for them on uh, their their tackles. John Runney, left tackle, and Jalen Mayfield, who's the redshirt freshman for Michigan, on right tackle. So um, Michigan's missing their uh, starting linebacker Josh Ross to injury. Uh, tight end Sean McKeon is unlikely. Who was one of their one of their better playmakers. At that position, uh, I want to see it until I believe it. Uh, this is a, again, this is a a decent team, and every time they've come up against a relatively decent team, it's just looked really bad. So I'm going to take the three and a half here uh, with the Hawkeyes. Uh, All right, we'll see how that one plays out. It, it will be an interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, right. I think I think we both want to see the outcome to and figure out who's who's more for real uh, top. 15 or 20 team it was more the loser will be more like a top 30 or 40 team neither of them are any good i mean michigan goes act actually goes down to this team at home i mean i think now the, uh, Ooh, that, there. that's uh some phone calls being made on monday all all, all, the, all the smoke has turned into an absolute place i mean it's <laughs> the fire's there so um we'll see we'll see it'll be very interesting uh new game there let's let's head to South Bend, where the Irish have uh, essentially a bye week against Bowling Green. They're laying 45 and a half. And uh, listen, Bowling Green, as the line would say, is a bad football team. Their first game of the season, they opened up with a 45 to 3 win. Since then, it's been three losses where they've been outscored 149 to 27. And it's not exactly a murderer's row. It's Kansas State, Louisiana Tech, and Kent State, where they just lost to 62 to 20. So um, I think we've talked about some of these games before, and uh, I think you're just hoping that Bowling Green not to get more than a uh, one score if you're going to Notre Dame here, and you're kind of trying to get it to like a 55, 56 to seven, 10 game, something like that. Uh, so look, I'm just going to go and lay the 45 and a half and. Assume that Notre Dame's second and third units are probably better than uh, Bowling Green's first, so I'll let you go. Yeah, you, you <laughs> laid it out pretty good there, right? There's not a whole lot of analysis <laughs> going into this. Um, but uh, Brian Van Gorder is a uh, Michigan man, by the way, not the University of Michigan, but from Jackson, Michigan, is the uh, associate head coach and defensive coordinator for Bowling Green. State University, by the way, I never knew it was Bowling Green. State University, I just thought it was Bowling Green. I'm not sure if that changed or I was way off on that. Um, he is the former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So he's got some ties in there. I, I think maybe that slows Notre Dame down a little bit early. Maybe they, maybe they know the schemes or they know something a little more there. So maybe that slows it down a little bit. But basically, here's, here's the bigger picture, right? It's varsity versus freshman for the first half. And then it's going to turn into, like you said, second or third string of Notre Dame versus the first string of 
of uh, Bowling Green State University. And so whether that becomes kind of more of a JV freshman scrimmage or like a freshman on freshman scrimmage, I think that's that's the bigger question. That's what you're betting on. (laughs) Right. So I think primarily because ND has got USC and Michigan coming in the coming weeks, they're really going to go that that deeper string earlier. So I'm going to take 45 and a half, but but really, like, let's be honest, you're just wondering what strength they've got if the athletes are going to get the garbage touchdown. That's all we're talking about. That, that's pretty much it. So it's a stupid game, like a bye week time. But hey, uh, we they're going to be part of our conversation week. So okay, yeah. um, let's get on to an SEC speed matchup: uh, the Auburn Tigers traveling to the program formerly known as Florida Gators. Auburn minus two and a half. Uh, where are you at here? Yeah. Uh... Well, so far, I think you know, Auburn has been pretty proven. Um, wins over Oregon, uh, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and then that, that Kent State team that just just throttled Bowling Green State University. <laughs> Doesn't think win there. But those, there's, some quality, there's some quality wins. I mean, if you look at kind of Florida's schedule, the wins are against uh, Tennessee uh, and Kentucky, who, who stink. Um, so I just think high level. Those are their two best wins. The other two best wins. Right, yeah. And they, and Which could have been losses. Right, and Kentucky should have been a loss, right? There was a field goal missed at the end. So, uh, you look at the high level, and, and I think it, it screams Auburn. Um, and, you know, you go a little deeper. Um, I just think on both sides of the lines, Auburn matches up really well against them. Um, their average is 250 yard, rush yards per game. Uh, and the D, Auburn's D is only giving up three yards per carry. So, you know, basically you're going to put uh, backup quarterback Kyle Trask, I think it is, against against the Auburn D. And it, it's Auburn all the way. Everything leads towards them. It's Auburn minus two and a half. Yeah, you laid out every um, everything I would would have liked to have laid out myself with the hmm. Auburn having the advantage. You forgot the cliche that defense travels, though, so I wanted to add that in there. Ooh, I was going to use that later, but okay. Uh, um, I, I know. I want to <laughs> bring in a player, too. So uh, defense travels. It's Tigers all the way here, uh, minus the two and a half. And that will bring us to our uh, main event, the last uh, game we're going to do for college, which is our Spartans at OSU. Uh, you know the line. It's a, it's a massive 20-point favorite for osu and i wanted to i was listening to a radio station today they had an interesting discussion going on and it was kind of all in the context of how big this line is and blah 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 and all these like power teams um versus you know the the mid-tier teams and they were they were describing it in a way they asked the question has the playoff has the college football playoff is this a product of that in other words do the really great kids and players just want to go to like four or five schools and therefore as as time progresses on the schools that are going to actually compete for championships so in time goes on is that why there's just this this major gap between the osus the clemsons and the bamas of the world as to like you know the huge drop off to michigan state and even now like michigan and the, the way they also added on to that was they were talking about the number of four or five star recruits that are on the rosters of like Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, compared to even Ohio State. And it's like 45 to 15. 
and then it's, when you get to like Michigan and Michigan State, it's like nine, five. And you just wonder like, so they, that's how they're framing it with that question about the playoff. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, they may have some more data to support it in the four or five stars. Obviously, I don't know. I haven't done it and looked at it. But I, I think if you think back, it goes in cycles like anything else, right? If you want to, if you want to point back to, to the USC heydays of the uh, you know, Palmer, DeLiner, Bush, Sanchez, right? They're just churning out talent, and they were at the top of the mountain for whatever, like six straight years. So they're getting a, a bunch of recruits. Or in the year that Herb was at Florida, right? He was in there. They had whatever it was, three or four years on top of the mountain. I'm sure there are you know, a couple other programs that we can point at over the past 20 years or so that have had that same stretch. I think if the college world playoff is, what are, what are we in, year four or five? Something like that. Something like that. I think if, you can, if it's the same teams in, in year 10, you know, it's the same ones only, then, then maybe this discussion is there, but I'm not ready to have... Uh, I'm not ready to have the discussion yet. Let's see if they get five more years of it. Um, and don't forget, Bama was in the tank ten years ago, and someone like the Saban did it. This is happening. So, right. I think I think it's, it's a little too early to to, to answer that question. Um, but they don't let me think about it. whenever you go back in even Michigan, like much make fun of them, right? In the mid to late nineties, they were I would say they really won in half a national championship, but they competed for a couple of years, stretch in a row there. Your Tennessee's. Right, they were on top of five years. So I think it's just a matter of cycles and, and programs at different times. Okay. No, I mean, I thought it was a relatively hot take when they were talking about it. But uh, it was interesting, I thought, the so, discussion. You got to go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, one thing I didn't address, you were talking about the gap between, uh, you know, Ohio State and Michigan State or, or the gaps between some of the other teams. I still I don't think that's changed much either. I think that's still the same. You've got top programs in the old school all the time. So, um I don't think the gap is any different either. Okay, well, I, I just think that maybe mid or sorry preseason, you know, we would have looked at this game and thought, all right, hey, you know, we have, we, have, we think we have a great defense, which uh, not might need to pump the brakes after last week on that. Um, but e- either way, like you'd like to think, you know, we have this defense, we can go in there and make a game of this. And you just watching Ohio State over the last you know four or five weeks you just go this it almost looks like they're playing a different sport and the line is fair like if you know it, what they did in nebraska the game was over in the second quarter and i don't think it'll look like nebraska i, I certainly it shouldn't i hope not but uh it's fair so um yeah i'll let you go with your pick yeah so i mean let's let's first of all stop with the like, i get what you're saying about nebraska um, people made that a big game. It shouldn't have been a big game. Nebraska has stunk the last, whatever, 10 or 15 years, right? So it's very, very different. Um, your points about Ohio State, all three phases, they're killing it, right? They're playing at a very high level. Um, there's no doubt about that. So the line is justified in the sense that you're talking about this D for Michigan State in the preseason. Do we think this line will be different? Yes. I think we also assume that the Michigan State offense is going to be much improved, and it's not. So I think a, you know a defensive effort for, for Michigan State here is you know holding Ohio State somewhere between 20 and 30, right? So then if you think about this, it's called a 10 point line before the year. You're just asking for 10 to 20 from the offense. In preseason, I would have said, oh, that's going to happen. Um, 
now I think we question that. But the pick. So uh, I think MSU's D is, is, is still strong, right? They're holding teams to less than two yards per carry. Only five teams have rushed for over 100 yards. Uh, uh, 100 yards in the game in the last 20 games. Only five teams have done that. So I think they, they come in. I think they slow them down enough to at least cover the 20 points. So I think it's going to be competitive in the fourth quarter. I don't know. By competitive, I mean they got a chance to win the game. That's We'll see on that one. But they will cover the 20. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't do it anymore. Uh, I, I just I, – I, I don't think it will look like Nebraska. Because I, I don't think Nebraska is any good, like you said. I, I, I don't. But it that was – that was more than just a loss. I mean, that that was, again, in the second quarter, that game was over. Uh, it, it was it was incredible what it did to them. And I think we were messaging uh, off pod about this. I told you, I said, if they, if they wanted to, they could have put up 100 points. You know, they, they can do whatever they wanted. It was just, this was uh, men amongst boys out there. So um, I, I, I just, I can't think of any real, like, logical way in every matchup where this actually plays out in a good way the only thing that i think could help michigan state is they get some of that magical turnover special teams stew early on that kind of flips the game on its side a little bit for them where they can kind of you know stay with it for a little bit but i don't know i mean i i don't think they're gonna be able to run the ball that means it's lewerke throwing the ball 45 50 times and ohio state has probably the best pass rusher in the nation so um it's just not a good recipe i I don't i don't like it so i'm going to do osu minus 20 hope i am wrong um that will take us to sunday in the big boys the pro games and let's let's set the stage a little bit here as we like to do um so between you and i i Power five last week, four and one, bringing me scratched and clawed all the way back to 500, 10 and 10 on the year. Uh, Overall, NFL 26 and 33, eight and six last week. Um, I had one and four for you last week. That brought you year to date to eight and 12 in the power five. Uh, We may need to get to review board next week if that doesn't improve. We're going to have to fact check your four and one last week, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, you can do that. Um, uh, 29-30 overall on the year for NFL, 6-8 last week. So uh, just right around 500, which I I think is good. Um, And a couple themes kind of continued overall within the NFL, which is uh, underdogs, again, I think we're we're 5-10, and it brought it to 39-24 on the year road teams continue to dominate bringing them to 41 and 22 on the year against the spread um home favorites are at 12 and 30 <laughs> people are just it's crazy that that's a crazy just home favorites and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in some of these games I, I i kind of picked a few of those out but uh i i that's the crazy thing is i'm right i'm gonna start riding the way this is the what this is it's all going to take. It's right. We should not be doing this. Right? You got to yeah, yeah, you got to Yeah, you got right. You got Yeah. So, home home dogs nine and twelve on the year through four weeks, and then um, favorites that are greater than seven seven or greater seven and ten, 
in outright losses of favorites of seven or more. Uh, three all last week, and as the as we were, as as we as the opening clip uh, began, uh, you know my Nostradamus uh, take that two of those three teams would lose outright uh, happened to them perfectly. So uh, very proud of myself. This week we have three home dogs, thirteen home favorites, <laughs> who are 12, 12 and thirty. Um, <laughs> Uh, one stupid London game, which I hate, um, and then uh, three double-digit favorites. So let's start out with the game that everyone has been waiting for. All fans have just been clamoring for weeks. Arizona Cardinals <laughs> at Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati minus three. I'll let you go. Uh, so you nailed it. I, I, I entitled this one, uh, you know, who cares matchup of the week. Nobody, nobody cares. The fans do not care. But that question also means something else. Uh, you know, which team cares more, right? I don't know what generic that sound. I hate when sportscasters say like, "Who wants it more?" Here, it does kind of matter a little bit. I, I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but it does matter a little bit, right? So Arizona <laughs> still is still trying to build, right? There's, there's, sure. there's the new coach, there's the new quarterback, there's the offensive oh. scheme. There's, I love this take. Still, <laughs> I, I already love this take. <laughs> I think there's still some more some momentum there that they're trying to build on, and you, you look, you got a rookie quarterback versus Cincinnati, which is this older quarterback. They're beat up. They lost another wide receiver last week. They still don't have AJ Green, and they're just in complete disarray. And I don't think there's anything holding that group together. So, it's the who cares match for the week? No fans care, but I think Arizona team cares a little more. So I'm going with Cardinals plus three. All right. Um, again, why I love that take too is because I was just staring at this game and I was just trying to come up with anything, anything I could just have a reason to like anyone in this game. And it, it was, and it was just. And I, I think beyond this game, I mean, you've made, uh, you've alluded to this in the past, maybe a week or two ago, but this is a rough board of games in general. It's terrible. Yeah, rough board, and this is. This is, uh, you know, right up there with the best of them. So we got 0-7-1 combined between the two of them. Probably two of the worst offensive lines in football. Um, both rank in the bottom third in yards allowed per game. As you mentioned, no John Ross now for the Bengals. Um, hey, maybe it's time we start paying attention to these trends, right? And, uh, hey, you have two uh, bad teams. You know, why not just take the – the team getting points on the road like what what does home field advantage how much does it really matter in this league right, right. now so um i'm i'm doing arizona with the points uh i'm with you there so let's just get past this game as quickly as possible uh th that brings us to another well another <laughs> similar game but i think might have one maybe one good team tennessee at home minus three to the buffalo bills and uh like I said it before, Doctor, uh, did you know that defense travels? And do you know? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what else travels? A running game. And before I get to that running game with the Buffalo Bills, I want to give you a little tidbit about TB12, your boy. Okay. Uh, he has had in his last two matchups against Buffalo, which the, was last week, and then there was a late December game last year his passer rating was in the 40s 
He's a career 97. His average career average career pass rate is 97 in, in, in one game. I had to go back to 2013 to find a game in the 50s that he had a passer rate in a single game. I had to go back to 2010 to find a game where he had in the 40s for one game passer rate, and that was week seven at San Diego in a 23-20 win all the way back in 2010. So, look, I, I actually, I, mean, I think that, that I, but I think that's like, I think this Bill's defense is actually good. Um, I, and I think it proved out last week, they were in that game. They made Brady struggle a lot. Uh, they held like 150 yards passing, I think on almost 40 attempts or something like that. I, maybe it was even 50. Uh, anyway, they were tough on him. They had a fourth and one to actually, on the fourth and goal to win that game. They, they couldn't actually convert because the Pats defense is as good as anybody. So, um, and as I mentioned, the defense traveling, the Buffalo Bills, not including Josh Allen, this is just the running backs, averaging third league third best, 5.4 yards per carry. Uh, hey, I'm all over that. I got the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking them plus three. And as always, Mariota sticks. So I'll turn it over to you. Okay. So a <laughs> uh, lot of good stuff there. Um, I like where you're at. I got two, two more comments, questions. Okay. Last week, I did say Mariota stinks. Uh, he did throw for three touchdowns last week and still has not turned the ball over. Even with that, though, he still stinks. And I'm still with Buffalo. But a question for you before I declare it. Sure. Is Josh Allen a go, or is he still in the protocol? Uh, he's in the protocol, but here's what I'll say about that. The Bills have a league leading, they're tied for league leading, 10 turnovers. I think Allen's responsible for seven or eight of those. <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't know if that actually hurts them. It's kind of like, uh, who is the guy, uh, Chase Daniel, coming in for Trubisky? Like, I don't know that they're any worse I, I mean i'm not gonna say they're better but i don't know if they're worse so um it doesn't bother me at all i'll tell you that all right well I'm, I'm, i've got i've got buffalo right now i'm, I'm, I'm with you okay look I, I saw some highlights and some other moves from that uh mariota passing effort last week uh, we'll, we'll get to that i'm not gonna he throws like a 10 yard out he has to float it he has to like time it and float it's it because he has no arm strength. Anyway, all right. Uh, yeah, Buffalo for both of us, plus three against Tennessee. Um, that brings us to London. And we have the aforementioned Chicago Bears and what probably is, I think it definitely is Chase Daniel, laying five points versus my Oakland Raiders, who won outright at Indianapolis last week. Um, I'll, I'll just start this off, and I want to say that uh, – I question these London games, and I was, like, a few years ago, I thought, I'm almost convinced that the NFL is, like, paying people to, like, go to these games and sit in the stands. And I, I don't, I, I didn't really believe, like, is there real interest? Or are they just trying to, like, like, you know, like, make this up into something that this is, there's this demand for them in, in Europe. Now, as you know, I contribute to a website, and we had a guy in England that was also on there uh, last year. And I asked him, I said, hey, is this real? Is this real? Like, do is people really care about the NFL in London? And he said, they do, 
it is real. And I said, is it all gambling and fantasy? He goes, that's a big part of it. He goes, but it is, the interest is there. These are real people in the stands. And I went, okay, fine. I had a real source. So just for people in the audience, that's my, I just wanted to provide that insight into the uh, the, the London uh, Europe demand for the NFL. So um, as far as this game Bob, goes. On that, on that note, do you know when this game is being played? Uh, I believe it's the Wembley. It's it's the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, home of the Lily Whites, who okay. currently sit in sixth place in the EPL table. Okay. There you go. And that's that's your soccer note for the day. I don't know. Okay. If, uh, the doctor, the doctor does have other interests and and closely tracks the EPL. Oh, is oh, is the doctor? Uh, does he get down on some? EPL he does, he, he does not. He's a fan of the Bournemouth Cherries. Okay. Well, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> uh, soccer sucks. So uh, anyway, <laughs> look, the Bears are likely getting back Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith, Kyle Allen on the offensive line as well uh, this week that they did not have. The Raiders lost Vontae's perfect suspension for the year. Um, who say what you want about him, but he was really one of their best defensive players and a team captain. Um, and I, the way I look at the Bears is the only concern for them covering numbers like this is really getting out to a lead and making sure they're not playing from behind going into a second half. Other than that, uh, I think there's no problem for them. So I'm on the Bears minus five, and I'll let you give your thoughts yeah, hey, defense travel, right? Defense travel. <laughs> does it <laughs> travel to London or does it travel? It's going to be funny. I'll just all lose right now. I hate these London games too, and the board is so bad that this made my power five. And Chicago's defense travels. I think <laughs> Chase Daniel. Um, Chase Daniel, I think, handles the handles the QB role pretty well, um, and, and balance them out. Won't make a lot of mistakes. Also, the Oakland defense stinks. Um, they're in the you know in the twenties in both the air and ground yards, getting up per game. So I, I think the Bears D will be able to hold them, hold the Oakland offense down enough. Also, missing their uh, top receiver, I think. Um, and Chase will have a decent day. So it's Chicago minus five, and I'm losing by power five. I put the one thing in, and that's how bad the board is. Well, uh, who's their top receiver? What are you talking? Williams. Is he out? Hello? I think he's out, man. Oh, well, the, yeah, I'll I'll double check that. I'm talking right now, but I am. Uh, yeah, you don't. I'm, 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 I'm gonna have to switch a power five pick myself. That's uh, I, I've got him. I've got him questionable right now. Okay. Um, yeah, it's still. That's not practice. So. All right. Okay. Well, that's that. That's maybe, something. To think sorry, about. Maybe out was an aggressive term for you, but. Uh, well, at this point in the week, this is this is Wednesday, so at this point in the week, I think if people aren't practicing, it's it's notable. Yeah. Um. So let's head to New Orleans. And uh, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers crab legs. Uh, one, of the, one of the big upsets of last, the biggest upset of the NFL last season last week, um, beating the Rams in a 55 to 40 game, just a crazy game. But uh, I'll let you go here with uh, New Orleans minus three and a half. Yeah, so you mentioned it, the, the crazy game last week, crab legs, 
out of control um, on both sides of it, right? Had, had a bunch of yards, two touchdowns, still threw a pick six. Um, this is one of those games, I'll say two things about this game. Um, one, it just kind of one of those snowball games where it just gets weird and it just becomes very different than, than most football games. I think that's kind of what happened here. But also there's something to be said that what you have said, I think the last two weeks you mentioned it, a little bit about this this Rams team, you know, maybe maybe where they're at, and we can we'll talk more about that later. But I think it says something about them as well. Um, what can't be discounted is that Tampa's Bay's defense is stinks. They give up a lot of points. They are, I think, uh, third last in yards given up per game for, for passing. Um, so I, I think New Orleans beat. Dallas last week didn't score a bunch of points, but we're able to hold Dallas back a little bit. So I think New Orleans D steps up. Teddy Bridgewater and the offense carve up this this struggling Tampa Bay defense. And I'm going New Orleans minus 3.5. I'm not believing in the Bucks quite yet. Okay, well we I I might not agree with that. Um look, I uh there's a lot to unpack here, okay? Um as you know, I track this little uh, touchdown stat that I like that uh, is is over 50 yards uh, for offensive touchdown drives greater than 50 yards that does not include junk time. Um, and it's just kind of a reflection of, you know, teams that score touchdowns from an average, from a, a normal starting field position when the game is actually meaningful and they're not, you know, down by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and all that stuff. So anyway... Through four weeks, Tampa Bay has the second most in the NFL with 11. That's only oh, yeah. trailing Kansas City and Dallas. Um, and a, a couple other things about Tampa is their running game is not great, but it's much improved than last year where they were almost dead last. And now they're kind of in the middle averaging four yards per carry. And kind of contradictory to what you're saying about their defense, this is crazy. I didn't. I saw this today. I didn't look it up until today. But the Bucks defense, the run, the run defense, right? In second, yeah, it's number one. Oh, it's I number one. I think it's below Chicago. Well, obviously, Bob, I'm spinning the narrative. I left that out because it goes against my narrative. But, <laughs> right, of course. But I, no, I, but but part of it is. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. If you're if you're getting if you're getting carved that easily through the air, like why why run the ball? They can't stop anybody. I mean, they will stop anybody all year. Fine, so, but I, I think it's when, when you're look when you're holding teams under 60 yards, which is what they've done through four weeks, which is a crazy number on the ground. That that isn't just like oh game flow and game script. They're they're shutting teams down. They brought in the Demicon Sue on a one-year mercenary contract. Hey, he's playing for a big contract. He wants to get paid. He's he's dominant right now. He's he's, he's completely galvanized our defensive line. So yeah, I, you know, um, I haven't been able to watch them as much, but like you got to think about like, actually, right, so Rams got down big early last week. The Giants were down a ton, um, right? The first the, the, the week before, uh, there was a Panthers team in there with Cam Newton who they they shut like down. They're the only old. team. They're the only team to do a good job of drafting. The only team. Well, that was when Cam was playing quarterback, I, I think. They still had – okay, how many times has Christian McCaffrey had 16 carries for like 37 yards? Doesn't happen. I know. <clears throat> well, no, I'm just, say, I'm just saying through four weeks, that's that's not 
that's an impressive stat. It's not like it's, hey, they're ninth in the league. They're number one. It's under 60 yards a game. It's, that's something. That's something. It's not just an anomaly. Uh, I don't think it is. So, look. Um, don't I? So, look. Uh, I, I No, look. I, that jumped out to me a lot. And, hey, let's talk about this New Orleans team. I kind of thought that little win over Seattle, I, I thought it was cute. And uh, I said, well, you know, it's not going to help you long term. But, you know, I was impressed with how they play Dallas. And they have one way that this is kind of like Chicago, right? They have one way they can win games at this point without Breeze. It's complete defensive ball control football. And they have to kind of shut teams down and uh, control the ball with, with, with a running game and short passes from Teddy Two Gloves. And look, even though the wins were nice, and they, if you do it two weeks in a row, I'm kind of starting to go in again. Oh, and, and sorry, two weeks in a row against two playoff teams. Uh, I kind of go, okay, maybe, maybe they can tread water until Breeze gets back. But I'll say this. This is the same way it goes to Chicago. Teddy Two Gloves has had two offensive touch drives of 50 yards or more in the last two weeks, zero last week. So this is still a thing where they need to be in the lead or certainly not be behind by any more than three points. They cannot be playing from a deficit. Otherwise, it completely throws them off, and I just think that's a big risk for them. And I I, I don't, even after last week, don't have a lot of belief in Teddy Two Gloves. And I don't matter how good your defense is, Throwing deep balls to Mike Evans, uh, it's just not that tough. Like, there is no defense for it. And all it takes is one of those to kind of get out in front of New Orleans or Tampa. So, I'm on Tampa. I'm plus three and a half points. And uh, I think the Teddy Two Gloves thing just kind of takes a, a, a sidestep here. But very interesting story either way. So, I'm, I'm very so You're balling in on Crab Legs. You're all. I, I'm not, not on him, not on him necessarily, but. Maybe game, there is though. maybe there's something with this team right now where, well, you see the run game improving, uh, you know, with, with the same group of people. Really, this is the same personnel from last year. You see all of a sudden the same defensive team that was horrible, just adding Demacon Sue, which was thought of as a lateral move because it was really just replacing Gerald McCoy, who went to the Panthers, and it, it, all of a sudden, I'm sorry if you do it four weeks in a row. And one of those is Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's not, after a while, it's just, it's not just a flukes. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm starting to get there with Tampa. And this division is wide open as long as Breeze is out. So, uh, I'm Tampa plus three and a half. We've talked about it enough, for God's sakes. Who, who know? that's what happens when you have a horrible board. You talk about Tampa and Teddy Bridgewater. For, Crab legs versus Bridgewater. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, let's get to a real easy one. Um, yeah. Minnesota Vikings at the New York Giants. You go. Okay, well, we had a little uh, turmoil in the Minnesota locker room. Maybe, a little bit. We had uh, Thalen and Diggs making some comments about Cousins. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Not directly about Cousins, but about the passing game and not delivering... Uh, deep balls appropriately or throwing enough or being able to be a two-dimensional offense. So, um, by the way, by the way, just an update there. 
Um, this is just like breaking, like breaking news. <laughs> um, Diggs did not attend practice. And no one knows why right now. So just, just to add on. Well, I'm going to go with my original take, although that's going to <laughs> So you would think this is, a, you would think the turmoil might, might cause some risks and cause some issues. We'll see why he didn't come to practice. But this is like the perfect spot for Captain Kirk. Like this is, this is what he does. He, he has proven to be uh, kind of a locker room guy and a leader, both college and the NFL. So this is where he would kind of rally. He already took some accountability with public statements in the media and has said he, he needs to do a better job. Uh, so I think this is a good timing for, for the Minnesota team to, to pull something together. And as you have said, they kind of beat up on teams they should beat up on. And this New York Giants defense is not particularly good. Uh, I think they're uh, ranked like tw- uh, 25th in yards per game given up. Um, and they're like the bottom half points per game. And of course, you've got the Minnesota defense, which travels. Your defense travels. I, I think this is an opportunity for, for Minnesota to get to get right, uh, maybe for Cousins to have a good game and maybe reestablish the relationship with these receivers if Diggs happens to show up. So Minnesota, <laughs> minus five and a half. Yeah, um, you know, over under on defense travels the rest of the way uh, on this podcast. Um, look, uh, <laughs> My Vikings theory is just playing out to a T. Uh, they demolished Oakland two weeks ago. Bad team. Go on the Bears. Don't even have a pulse. I mean, can't, can't even. Don't even score a point until the game's over. They is basically they got shut out. Um, so I think they absolutely. I don't care about and this off-field garbage. I think they go into MetLife and drop an absolute bomb on New York and. Uh, this this theory just is uh it's wonderful I'm, I'm enjoying it play out in front of my eyes so uh let's just get out of here and go to we'll stick on the east coast and take it to philly one of those big big double digit lines this week philly lane 13 and a half to the new york jets we don't know what darnell is doing yet um but you know what i'm gonna start here yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little speculate, okay? No, okay. Philly <laughs> has a brutal six-game stretch coming up uh, after this game, including four straight after this week. Before their bye at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Buffalo, home for the Bears. Um. They just come off that longer layover from Thursday Night Football uh, a week ago. They have three starters in the secondary that are banged up and highly questionable. They're left with, uh, I think, two guys in their active roster that have seen snaps this year in the secondary. And I think maybe they just come out and maybe treat this like a quasi-bye week for the first half. And I'm going to guess that Darnold ends up playing... He did participate in practice already this week. So that said, I'm going to say they kind of go to sleep a little bit here on the Jets, and I'm going to do the Jets plus 13 and a half. Your call. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> I said that gift of Donnie. And, and <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. DJT. Wrong. Uh, no. So, Philly, uh, big week last week. Uh, 
offense is, is getting right. Pretty pretty balanced attack. Uh, three TD tosses from Wentz. Also a strong rushing performance from uh, Howard and Sanders. So that balanced offense is really in gear. Um, I think it doesn't really matter who plays quarterback for the Jets. I mean, Darnold did practice today, so let's lean towards him. I think he's still going to have a lot of rust. And, I don't think they're going to do much offensively. I think Philly's offense is starting to get where they want to be and where people might thought they would have been against, let's say, the Lions or early in the year. So they're back. It's Philly minus 13 and a half. All right. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I get it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's nicer when you don't play Philly with Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard. Um, it helps out a lot. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But... Uh, another not great, not so great game either way. Uh, let's get on to Pittsburgh coming off their Monday night win. Mason Rudolph at home against the Baltimore Ravens, who went down as one of those big favorites last week. Baltimore minus three and a half. I'll let you go. Okay, so. It's a good win for Pittsburgh, maybe. But, yeah, they, they win 27-3 <laughs> against Cincinnati, a game that, that nobody cared, cared about. Um, yeah, I think more important, let's talk about Baltimore, right? So I think that is the more important thing. Yeah, so, okay, two weeks ago we, we were screaming about Lamar. I think I was, I was a little marching at that point in time. Um, they beat the Dolphins, they crushed them, they beat a terrible Cardinals team. A how, Stafford, how they, skewed? They, how skewed is that forty-two to three first half looking at? Right, right. And they they kind of Matt Stafford against the Chiefs. I think they were down. Oh yeah, they made it thirty-three twenty-eight, and then they got they got the clocks cleaned last week. So they still have some stuff to prove. I, I guess there were some reports out of their locker room. There was some turmoil um, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and then also there should be. There should be, right? They're pretty vulnerable to be. Um, you know, having said that, all of that, that still sucks. They're coming off a short week. Um, I'm taking Baltimore just because Pittsburgh is that bad. But I, I do think Baltimore uh, is back to, you know, on fraud alert, and they've got lots to prove, um, you know, over the next couple weeks. Fortunately, over next week, they have the Bengals. So there they go. They got two terrible teams, and they'll, they'll probably get right. And two weeks from now, we'll start talking about Lamar's back, and they'll probably go back and forth all year long on this. Anyway, Baltimore last three and a half. All right, yeah. And, I mean, I think that is the real uh, kind of storyline here. It's definitely not nothing to do with Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's season is over. They're kind of playing to develop people and see what Mason Rudolph has got, which is fine. Um, and they've got completely nothing to lose going into all these games, so they'll be they'll be a little frisky. But uh, yeah, look, Baltimore, uh, they're the first heading into the fourth quarter of their last two games. They've been outscored fifty-four to twenty-three. Yeah, wow. Um, and look, the bottom line is this defense is just still a huge question mark in replacing guys and not just players but from a leadership standpoint guys like Terrell Suggs and CJ Mosley and sizzle. Eric Weddle and Eric Weddle sorry go ahead what I was just saying sizzle he sizzle so, yeah yeah sizzle um who were 
you know, especially Suggs and Mosley, who were mainstays there for years, um, they they haven't shown an ability that they're up to kind of making up for those losses yet. I don't know how they're going to, and it's a problem. It's a big problem right now. So uh, they're allowing the sixth worst yards per game in the league now. Um, they really the only defense that allowed the Cardinals this little, uh, you know, Kyler Murray experiment to move the ball at all. Um, so that defense does not travel, Doctor. It does not travel. So <laughs> I, well, I might think, travel. It just doesn't travel. It's not even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think uh, it, it, this is a total stay away game for me. I don't like it at all. But if you're asking me to, you know, go through this exercise, I'm going we to are. take. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers plus the three and a half. And that brings us to another big, heavy favorite on the day. The New England Patriots at the hapless Washington Redskins. Pats minus 15 and a half. Uh, Doctor on the call. This one's this one's pretty simple. Uh, you know we're better than New England. I think TV 12 is like a lifetime ATS is like 62. percent So you always betting on New England. Um, I'm going to let Washington also replaced by Miami this week, and you're not allowed to bet on Washington. So this is fits together very nicely. Um, if you want a little more of a narrative, right, I think the New England D is, is exceptional. They're going to go up against. Uh, quarterback in Washington that's going to turn the ball over a ton, no matter who it is. I don't know which one it might be. Um, but also, the, I think a bigger point here is, you mentioned earlier, Buffalo really contained the New England offense last week, so they're going to they're going to look to you know, have a little fun out there. Uh, Belichick, TB12, I mean, Julian Edelman back at full strength. They're, they're not going to slow down. Um, they want to bounce back week. They're trying to improve every week. They're going to go up. So, um, bunch of reasons they're going to take New England minus 15 and a half and not make choice about it and not talk too much about it. <sighs> no, I don't want to talk about it either. And um, the Pats, uh, the Pats defense is allowing under 200 yards per game passing so far. They're allowing 61 yards per game uh, running the ball. And they're e- even greater. Their opponents are scoring under seven points. <laughs> That's... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're allowing 6.8 points per game. <laughs> so, um, look, I there's no reason uh, to. It, this is a game where you go: Is Washington going to score an offensive touchdown? I'm not really sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm doing the Patriots minus 15 and a half. If Washington uh, does the deed, uh, all the power to. So, uh, passes the pick. And let's move on to a little more of an intriguing game in uh, Minshew Mania, Jacksonville Jaguars, traveling to the Carolina Panthers, who have uh, kind of saved their season. And I'll, I'll kind of start this one off. Carolina's minus three and a half at home in Jacksonville. Uh, I, I kind of look at these two teams. They're kind of a little bit of mirror images of one of each other to a degree. They both have these kind of disastrous injury situations at quarterback that have somewhat righted the ship uh, and um, both have really big playmakers at running back both are now 2-2 two and two after starting 0-2 oh and, and looking to kind of save their season a little bit or have saved their season and you tell me but I think where they are right now in their divisions 
they both have legit shots. With the Drew Brees injury to uh, New Orleans, uh, I don't think Carolina's out of it. And Houston just lost to Carolina last week. They're both tied Jacksonville now at two and two. I think Jacksonville's in it too. So uh, your call. Go ahead. Yeah, I think this is a tough one. I would say just take the under. That's the safe. That's the safest play in this one. I think you've got these young guys that have, that have done fairly well. I think your you know, analysis, right? They're, they're technically in the races, and we'll see how these guys mature over the next few weeks. But um, you know, they're still they're still struggling out there. They're winning games, which is awesome for, for young quarterbacks to be doing. Uh, but I think the under the play in this one, as you mentioned a second ago, if the exercise is to pick these, um, I'm going to go um, Carolina minus three and a half, you know, mainly because of the McCaffrey factory. I think they're they're looking to uh, you know get him a lot of touches, and I think he'll get loose and they'll uh, they'll cover three and a half. Okay, I I think similar to the Houston Carolina game uh, last week when we were picking, we saw Houston minus four and a half. I kind of just looked at it when it seems like two fairly even teams. Maybe Deshaun Watson gives a, a little bit of a bump to Houston at the quarterback position. But other than that, I don't see a big difference from a talent roster perspective. And in that situation, I think I'm going to take the points. And also kind of just to add on to this whole like road or home field advantage, supposedly that we just automatically Vegas is you know, letting down three points every week for the home field advantage. How much does this really exist for most of these teams? How how much is there a home field advantage in Carolina? You know, like, I don't think there really is. I think that's, that's kind of what's being proven out. So I'm just going to take the points here and the three and a half and uh, we'll roll that. I, I don't, again, I don't love it either way. I just, if you're asking me to do this, uh, Jacksonville plus three and a half is, that is my pick. So I can uh, tell let, by your I can tell by your narratives that you are struggling with the power five this week. Uh, oh, I'm not, can, I'm not struggling with power five. Okay, all right. Oh, there, there's no struggle with that. Absolutely zero. Um, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, let's get to another game that is a huge struggle and that I hate. It is uh, the Atlanta Falcons at the Houston Texans? Houston minus five. Um, we both, I think, at this point, hate the Falcons. Um, I'll just start here and say, I, I mean, I hate, I hate this game in general. Um, and in three of the four Atlanta games, they've been in deficits of 28 nothing, 20-3, and 24-7. And none of these were against the Chiefs or the Patriots. These were against, you know, uh, not great teams. The best team they played this year is Philly, and they won. So, uh, so um, look, I, there's already, there's already talks in Atlanta right now of, of Dan or yeah, Dan Quinn's security, yeah. his job security. Uh, I talked about some of those highlights earlier of, of Mariota, and he's hitting guys downfield 15, 15, 20 yards wide open. I, I mean, I'm looking at this going, what is going on? Because this this Atlanta defense does have talent, has like elite players at different levels of their defense everywhere. So I, either they're underperforming, maybe they're not the same guys because they've had injuries. Either way, something's very wrong over there. Um, and I'll just give you my pick. 
that said, uh, all that stuff about Atlanta, I Houston doesn't impress me either. I, I just I can't I can't stand them in the same way, and I don't like them laying five points. And I'm gonna can't believe it. I'm gonna pick Atlanta plus five points. Yeah, you, you laid it out nicely. Um, you know, this was this is desperation city for for really both teams if they if they want to have a pulse uh, for playoff potential. Uh, and normally, you look at a team like this, like an Atlanta team, who's one and three. You go, okay, from big deal, they go to one and four. They're done in the playoffs. But I mean, this is a team with we mentioned before on the podcast. I mean, big offensive name time, right? Star quarterback, star star receivers. You're expecting them to produce and beat at the end. And whether they make the playoffs or and lose first round or just miss the playoffs, you're expecting something out of them. And Houston's the exact same way, right? They've got a, a big time quarterback in Deshaun Watson with a bunch of weapons around them um, who's just, they're underperforming. Um, Sean Watson, the two of the last three games, he's never less than 200 yards. He's supposed to be one of the, you know, premier quarterbacks in the league. So both teams are struggling. Um, you know, having said that, I have I have less faith in the in the Falcons um, than you do. I know you're trying to ride points on the road team, but they haven't been able to run the ball with the shit this year. Um, they're the bottom no. fourth of the league. I think Houston still is Yards per game wise has a decent running game, um, maybe the top quartile of the league. So with that, um, it being in Houston, I just like you said, I hate this game, but I'm going to go Houston minus five, and, and maybe it's just because um, I've been Hopkins on my fantasy team the last five years. I don't know, but that's your <laughs> joke. That's, that's as good as reason as any. Um, all right, uh, let's get to. I think that ends. I think that's it ends at one o'clock. So I think there's only two four o'clock games um, this week. One of, one of them's good and one of them's dog shit. So, so yeah. Well, they're both kind kind of good in their own different ways. Uh, let's get to the first <laughs> one. Well, <laughs> like, like, uh, please, please, I would like you to lay out the first one because I don't know how they're going to consider this a good game. I I think it's a good gambling game. Uh, so <laughs> we have Denver Broncos uh, who are. Are they winless? Yeah, they're winless. Yeah. Their season's season's over. Denver Broncos going to the Chargers of Los Angeles. Chargers minus six and a half. Now, the Broncos, they've been a good team to go against. One and three against the spread. We have a now Bradley Chubb out for year. Maybe their second most important defensive player Devon Miller who's now getting trade rumor speculations uh, because their season's over which is perfect uh, Melvin Gordon is back back Broncos are one of five teams that allow opposing running backs to average over five yards per carry in the NFL Joe Flacco stinks uh, this is perfect going. this is perfect this is the LA Chargers minus six and a half, and uh, that's the pick. I'm not saying anything else. Oh, okay. I'm going opposite here. I'm going to Broncos, <laughs> and here's why. So I, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear this hot take. Wow. <laughs> well, all right. So let's start with Gordon being back. I, I think there's going to be some uh, turmoil there. I think there's going to be some. Oh, my I don't God. think it's going to be smooth. I, I think people are going to be pissed about this. I don't think it's just a walk right in and take my spot, right? Austin Eckler's been doing a great job. 
and now you're going to bring in Melvin Gordon. I don't think it's going to be a smooth transition. Also, uh, the Broncos have been losing close. They've been, they've been losing close games. Um, so, sure. I, and this is a lot of points. I'm going to ride your wave of uh, you know road dogs on this one. That's that's part of the strategy here is to take some of the road dogs, and that's that's what I'm doing with the Broncos. But not not the, not the real shitty ones. <laughs> take, take them all except these guys. All right, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's not like the Chargers are uh, you know set record this year and have a lot of quality wins. Let's be let's be real clear on that. Yeah, no. And, and Melvin Melvin Ingram is out for them this week, and they they had actually a lot of uh, they have a lot of injuries, but uh, I, I I can't do it. I can't do it with Flacco. It's just another week where I, I just no, I can't do it. Jo- Joey Bose is gonna. You know, he's going to lock, lock him up big time. All right, get out of here. I just I want nothing more to talk about here. Uh, this is the only game maybe even worth watching the entire weekend. No. What, what, one of maybe two or three. Yeah, there's not. There really isn't. Uh, pa- Packers travel to the Jerry Dome, take on the Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus three and a half, and I'll, I'll let you go. Yeah, so this this is uh, this is gonna be going to watch. Uh, but I think we've got a we're gonna pause for a second here on on mm. the boys. Right? Oh, uh, we, oh, we were real fired up about the boys after the first couple weeks. Uh, they lose to New Orleans last week. Uh, their three wins are against the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins, who uh, are arguably the three worst teams in the league. So I think they need to get back to the drawing board. We're going to see how how good they really are here over the next stretch of games. Um, plus, you know, you had um, although they lost Thursday night, Packers um, AR12 was, was back a little bit. They got the passing game going. Um, so and they've also had a, a, a little longer week to prepare for this one. I think the defense settles in a little bit for Green Bay and. Mm. And shows and, and shows Dallas a little something. I think this Dallas offense hasn't played a decent defense. I'd say Green Bay's is decent at this point, but I think they're better than the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. I'm going Green Bay plus three and a half. AR12 is back, and Dallas is back on the uh, still something to prove list. No, okay. Um, yeah, and remember that. Remember that awesome Packers D that worked out Trubisky, Cousins, and Flacco. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 didn't, it didn't look so hot against Philly's O-line and Wentz with his full allotment of weapons on Thursday night, did it? No, it didn't, didn't look that, didn't look awesome, did it? And this, oh, we, we got a defense now, do we? Man, I don't know, guys. Um, well, good, good luck, because now you get the Dallas offensive line. Uh, and, and Zeke, who's already talking about how he took last game personal, on Sunday night with New Orleans, how they underperform, and he wants to go out and improve himself again. So, um, I'm not. I don't think it's getting gets any easier at all for this uh, quote unquote, you know, really good Packers defense. And you know, I mentioned when I talked about the Chargers and Denver that Denver was one of five teams that allowed opposing running backs to average over five yards per carry. You know, what another one of those five teams is. It's the Green Bay Packers. The Packers. It's the Packers, yeah. It's the Packers. And this whole Matt LaFleur Matt thing, 
it's not working yet. Green Bay running backs are tied for fifth worst yards per carry in the league, 3.3 per carry. Like that, like, you know, this whole thing about oh, how we're going to bring in the Sean McVay uh, offensive method and we're going to get these play action passes going. Yes, that's all great. You could do that and work on their center. It doesn't work when you can't run the ball. It doesn't. No one cares. No one's fooled by it when you can't run. So that hasn't happened yet. And I, uh, I think they're in for trouble here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all over Dallas minus three and a half uh, here. So I, I do not believe at this point in the Packers. I got to prove. Um, let's go. But you believe in the Dallas yeah. offense, real quick. You believe in the Dallas offense. Uh, I, I do because it it still carries over from a year ago, um, and really their strengths haven't changed. It's still primarily the offensive line who they got Travis Frederick back this year, but they didn't have last year. They're they're all pro center, so that still carries over. It's the offensive lines, the running game, and they now they have a full season of Amari Cooper. So I believe in it way more than I believe in the anything the Packers. The, anything that Packers I have to believe in besides AR twelve. So. Um, this is a better all-around team at this point, and I, I think the Packers are in trouble. So uh, that's the that's the one and four slate gets us to SMF, and we have uh, the Chiefs with, with a miraculous escape over our lines. Um, they're laying a pretty big number, uh, minus eleven to the Colts, and. Uh, the doctor, where was he at? Yeah, this one's pretty simple for me. The number doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I don't think it should be 11. Uh, I think it should be less. Um, I, I think Indy's been pretty balanced. I know they took a bad loss to Oakland um, last week. KC didn't look great against Detroit. Also, um, Indy's got some good history in. Um, in Kansas City with some of their, their recent success there. I mean, they held Mahomes uh, out a touchdown pass in the playoffs last year. Um, I think they've won like, two out of the last four there. This number is weird to me. Uh, so everything I've said kind of supports Indy in a way, but um, I'm going to go KC minus the 11 just because this one just doesn't feel right to me. I, I get that. I thought it was too high as well. I thought it should be I thought it should be around eight, which I think it might have opened at, but it jumped up big. So, um, but look, I, I mean, the, the, the story is the same with this team, and it's the defense. And you saw that defense against the Lions. It's, oh, you're not, you're not saying that Maddie Stafford is the, is the one that carved that group? I, I, I don't care who it is. I'm saying it doesn't <laughs> matter. That's the, that's the point. Like. I think the Lions ran for like 170 or 180 yards. Like, it, yeah. Which which the Colts, <laughs> they can do that against good defenses. So, I I can't do it. I always, I keep saying that they're going to have trouble covering big numbers. And I, I agree with you that it seems fishy that this is big. I understand the reasoning for going that way. But uh, my, my mind won't allow me to do it. Um, I'm doing the Colts plus the 11 points. I think that defense has major issues. And if anybody should be on the phone giving up, you know, multiple 
maybe maybe first round pick for Jalen Ramsey, it should be the Chiefs. They they, they need to do something to fix this. So uh, let's go to Monday Night Football last game, and I think uh, I, I like this game. Um, nice matchup. I think it's a complete stay away. Um, but uh, San Francisco. Minus three and a half coming off a bye at home to the Cleveland Browns. And uh, what do you have? Well, you mentioned you've got you've got San Francisco uh, coming off the bye week, and you've got uh, Baker and the boys coming off a, a pretty big win last week against uh, against the Ravens. Um, so. I think this is kind of a prove-it game for, for the Browns. They've got a little, little momentum going. Um, and kind of looking back at San Francisco's schedule, they had played uh, the Bengals and the Steelers, are two of the wins, and then uh, I think it's the Bucks in week one. So they haven't really beaten anybody. Um, I'm, I'm going with Cleveland, uh, continuing and finding their stride, keeping it moving. Um, here on the road on Monday night, plus three and a half. So Baker's back. They're gonna get it going. Back. Okay. Um, I uh, like I said, I, I I'm very intrigued to watch this game. I think it's kind of a total stay away for a variety of reasons. But uh, besides the eight turnovers uh, that San Francisco has put up there, I really liked what I've seen uh, from their team when I watched them. Uh, they they move the ball offensively. They run the ball well, and they're, they've had a really good defensive line led by the rookie Nick Bosa, which is, I think, a drastic mismatch on paper with Cleveland's offensive line, which has been a really suspect part of their team. So uh, I'm going to continue to kind of believe in this San Francisco team. We'll see if I, it bites me in the ass. But I'm laying the three and a half with San Francisco, and we will see if they uh, – we'll see. I think for both teams, this is a matchup where it's just kind of like, hey, relatively talented teams uh yeah prove it for both of you guys so yeah um should be interesting with that said let's get to the main main event here the important thing that everyone wants to the power five big spot for you right here um under 500 right now do you want to go first Go ahead, Bob. All right, all right. I'll go first. There may I know I know you're nervous. There may be a board review for you uh, after this week. So uh, look, I'm a my power five is Buffalo plus three, Tampa plus three and a half, Minnesota minus five and a half, Dallas minus three and a half, and the Colts plus eleven. Wow. All right. I'll follow that up. All right. Chicago minus five. New Orleans minus three and a half, Minnesota minus five and a half, Baltimore minus three and a half, and the Green Bay Packers plus three and a half. That's my power five. Doctors getting right this week. Oh wow, we, we have a lot of uh, we have like three direct opposites, right? Two predictions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, should be good. Yeah, just like last week in college. Contradictions you want to add? Weird. Weird. Yes. Four one. Ah, uh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, 
uh, we'll see. It should be great. Uh, this is kind of a, as we talk about, maybe not on pod here, but this is kind of a getaway day for me. Uh, I'm going to re- remote undisclosed locations for a bachelor party where there will be, uh, you know, a lot of cocaine and hookers. So I'm excited about that. I don't think they have either of those things in places that you're going. <laughs> no. More, more so just golf and uh, a bunch of middle-aged, yeah. middle-aged white guys watching football. So um, should be should be a good time. Um, looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, this is great. All right. Yeah, well, hey, thanks again, Bob. And uh, I hope you enjoy your getaway weekend. And hopefully you guys get a, a title shot out there on the golf course. You know how that goes. All right, uh, go green. Go green. Go green indeed. And uh, very uh, hopeful for Saturday night. I'll be with a a group of Spartans. I know we're all excited, but um, it's either going to be the greatest uh, night of our lives or... Probably more so just a uh, underwhelming uh, performance. Either way, um, the great thing is that we'll be together. And so if it goes bad, it'll just be like, it'll be like listening to a male episode of The View where we just uh, complain and bloviate about a football team that we have nothing to do with which is that's what males do so um but yes episode eight week five nfl week six college football uh it should be uh, another just fantastic week and i know we've been having a lot of fun doing what we're doing um download subscribe rate review that is Swipe Rate Sports Podcast, your sports butt hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock, wishing you the best of luck this weekend. <laughs>